Yeah, I will. Okay. Hello. Good evening, everyone that is tuning in to from a preacher from a puncher to a preacher. Amen. I want you all to tune in and I want you to um let me get to where I need to get to. Try to turn this down. Okay. Welcome to from a puncher to a preacher. Welcome to the women's conference. Um today is at 7:30. Tomorrow night it will be 7:30 and Saturday it will be also be 7:30. It will be a 3-day conference um, to talk to you about how you can change from that to this. And I know some of you are like, man, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. But I would like for you all to share this to your pages, share this with somebody that may have a problem coming out of a place that they are in or where they used to be in, not because somebody else is holding them down, but but you are holding yourself there. And so I want to thank you all for tuning in. I pray that this conference blesses you. I pray that this conference encourages you. I know some of you are like, man, she's at the church. Yes, um, where I'm at Divine Worship Christian Center at 3702 Knox Lane, right here in the city of Knoxville, Tennessee. I want to first thank God for God for being the head of my life. He is my life. I thank God for my bishop, my leader, my husband, Bishop Christopher Holloway Sr., amen. And I thank God for all of you that's going to tune in and watch this conference for the next three days. I pray that it encourages you. Right quick, we're going to go ahead and we're going to play two selections because I want to give all of you an opportunity to either share this to your friends, invite your followers to join in, or share it to whomever you believe that's going to be, um, that's going to benefit from this conference. I first just thank God because he is the head of my life. And I'm going to give a short prayer. And then after I pray, the next two, after the next two selections you hear, I'm going to come back in. Amen. Well, I'm going to be right here because this is where I'm at. But I decided to do it from the church because um, I, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to be in this place and because I was going to do it from home and something I'm saying, you know, do it at the church, do it at the church. So I was talking to a couple of people and, you know, they may come in and sit just to, you know, be in the presence. And that that's that's good, too. But I wanted to do it this way because I needed to feel to be in the house again um, to do this conference. You know, a lot of churches are down. They're not open. Amen. Amen. Um, they're not open. And so, you know, we had resorted to social media. And in the beginning, I thought, wow, you know, how I'm going to be able to continue to do ministry and get, you know, continue to go out to the hedges and the highways. But right here, we're going through the airways and the byways. Amen. And so I'm just grateful and I'm humble. So, Lord God, I thank you on today that you have saw fit to allow me to stand in this place one more time to be able to teach or preach or do both to your people so they will be healed, they will be set free, they will be delivered, they will receive salvation and deliverance, Lord God. Lord God, I pray that somebody receives 
you and not me. God, I pray that you will continue to get the glory out of my story. Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable unto thy sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer, Lord God. Lord God, I ask you right now, if there's anything among me that should not be here, I ask you to receive it, to, to relieve it, and to get rid of it in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, if, there, if, there, if there's any unforgiveness, if there's any out, if there's any malice, if there's anything that's unrighteous in my heart, remove it in the mighty name of Jesus. If I have offended anybody, I apologize at this very moment in this very hour because I want to make sure that you receive everything that the Lord has for you. God, I thank you for being my father. God, I thank you for being my Jehovah Jireh. God, I thank you for being Jehovah Nisi. God, I thank you for being my Lord, my King above all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for being the beginning and the end. I thank you for being the first and the last. God, I thank you for allowing me to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. God, I thank you for blessing everything my foot treads upon. So God, continue to move me in this place mightily, Lord God. Remove my flesh out of the way as your spirit set in on me. If you don't say anything, nothing will be said. Lord God, I can't do anything without you, but with you, I can do all things. And God, I thank you on tonight. And Lord God, I pray that somebody receives change in these next three days. I, I believe that they're going to come from a cusser Lord God, to a covenant partner with you, God. God, I ask you if there's another puncher out there that needs to be a preacher, then let it be, God. Lord God, I thank you, and I bless you, and I love you on tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. So after the song, these next two songs play, I want you to allow it to get into your spirit. I'm going to be quiet at this moment because I want you to understand that these two songs that are about to play speaks to my life and where God has brought me from and where he has taken me to. Amen. Amen. How many know if he never does anything else, he's already done enough. He's worthy of all the worship because of who he is. Come on, clap your hands, everybody. to go through to 
understand it. They don't know your story. You don't know my story. You don't know the things. You don't know the things that I've come through. You cannot imagine. Upon me. You wouldn't believe my real testimony. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Life and favor. Lord, have mercy. Thank you, Jesus. I know some of you are like, what is really going on? But if you don't know my story, you will never understand my praise. And when it's about life and favor and how the Lord will bring you out, he will deliver you. He will free you. He will set you free from bondage. He will set you free from things that are holding you. He will set you free from people that are pulling you back into a world that he came and brought you out of. And if you've never known my story, listen. You will never understand my story because it's not for you to understand. It's for you to recognize where you are while I'm recognizing and realizing where I'm at. Amen. Amen. So again, I just, I, I, that's, this is something different. I'm following the spirit of the Lord and I'm just walking in it. Amen. And again, I said earlier that I felt I just where I needed to be. This is where I wanted to where I needed to come from. And I'm I'm just here. I'm just here giving the people what they need from the Lord. Amen. And so with no further ado, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm going to start. Amen. So if you if listen, you can say amen. You can send hand claps, you can send hearts, you can share this to your friends who may be struggling within themselves, but this, this, this conference is not just for women, 
but it is for men as well. It's for everybody because you have to understand that we all have a past. And some of us have a past not by our own choice. Sometimes some of us have a past because we was put in a position that we had nothing to do with. We've been put in a position because we've been dragged by men. We've been dragged by women. We've been dragged by children. We've been dragged by drug dealers. We've been dragged by prostitution. We've been dragged by from in every direction possible. But I want to let you know that the place that I came from was a place of a fighter. And I was always fighting somebody. It doesn't matter if you was a man. It doesn't matter if you was a woman. It doesn't matter if you was a child. It, didn't, it doesn't matter who you were. I was always putting my hands on somebody because that's what I felt like I needed to do concerning the position and the place that I was in, not realizing that eventually when I got to this place that God was going to change it and rearrange it for his glory, for my story. And I thank God for my deliverance. I thank God for my healing. I thank God for, for salvation. I thank God for restoration. I thank God that I'm no longer that place. I thank God that I'm no longer that person in that place where people would keep me at. But I thank God that I made a choice, I made a decision to come out of that place, to come into this place with the Lord on my side. Because if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? You don't have to answer that question. I can answer that question. I would still be broke. I would still be a drunk. I would still be a cusser. I would still be a fighter. But I thank God that he didn't leave me where I chose to be. But he brought me out of a place where he needed me to be. My God, thank you, Jesus. Lord, help me in this place. Let me slow down. Let me slow down. Let me slow down. But I want to give you the today is an introduction. And I'm praying that you have your Bibles. I'm praying that you have your APNs and your notepads to where you can write down the scriptures that I give you so you can go back and learn them again for yourself, that you can go back and research for yourself and apply it to your life. Because I do believe that after this conference, change is going to take place for some somebody. You can inbox me your testimony. You can inbox me your questions. You can inbox me your prayers and I will stand in an agreement with you because if you're like me, you don't want to stay an evil person. If you're like me, you don't want to stay a broken person. If you're like me, you like change. You like growth and sometimes we get to a place where we get tired of being that same old person and I'm here to tell you on today that God can move you from that to this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, listen, I decided weeks ago that I was going to come and do the conference at the church. And I didn't make it known yet because I wanted to be sure that I was hearing what I was hearing. And so on the other day, I, I had got on to, I had signed in on Facebook, and I saw uh, a live that was given from a man of God that I know, and as soon as I cut, as soon as I cut my Facebook page on, I heard, get to your assigned place. And I was like, get into your assigned place. This is my assigned place. 
Amen. And sometimes we can get so stagnated or sometimes we'll get so comfortable when things begin to shift. But sometimes you can only stay in a place for so long, only just for a moment. Because what happens is if you stay out of the house of God too long and you don't and you don't. Um, and and, and you, 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 you stay out of the house of God too long, you're going to find yourself getting content in a place that you're really not used to, and then you'll find yourself struggling trying to get back to that place because you've not been in that place for a long time. And I said that to say, and that's where the man of God was coming from. He said churches are closed, and, you know, people are getting mad because they want to go back into the house of God. When you got to understand that sometimes we need to be in the house of God. I don't believe y'all hear me. Hear what I'm saying. I had to get to my assigned place, and this is my assigned place. I'm a servant of the Most High King. I'm his servant. And no, it's not about the in-house because I do in-house and out-house. I do social media. I do social media conferences. I do social media lives. I do social media revivals. I, I'm always on social media doing a live about something or in somewhere because that's the, that's the assigned place that God has placed me in back in 2009 when I realized that it was not my ministry. It was just not for the in-house, but it was for the out-house. Amen. And so, so many times we find ourselves in, in 2020, we find ourselves on a, on a shutdown, on a lockdown. You know, they were saying, don't go to the church, but we could go everywhere else, but we couldn't go to the house of God. The devil is a lie. I found myself in the house of God. I had to go there a couple of times because I had to pray and seek the Lord. Why? Because I'm, I'm, because the Lord brought me out from being a puncher to a preacher. Because I had to recognize, hold on, you got to step back a little bit. You, 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 you know, you can't, you can't deal with that. You, you, you already made a vow to the Lord, and the Lord made a vow to you. So what you need to do is just chill. Just, just take a moment. Just step back a little bit. So I, I knew for myself I had to get back to my assigned place so I can say on today I'm back in the house hallelujah thank you Jesus and so given the introduction on the um on the conference on tonight I want to talk about the beginning which is the training ground amen and I want to talk to you about how at a at a young age you don't realize that what you speak to comes to life Amen. Amen. So on tonight, I'll be talking to you the beginning, which in layman terms, the training. Amen. So sit back and let's go on in Jesus. Amen. Amen. So in relationships, do you believe that you have to be prepared for them to be ready for you? Or are you being ready for them because of you? Can I, can I say that again? In relationships, do you believe that you have to be prepared for them to be ready for you? Or are you being ready for them because of you? Ask yourselves, would you date you or would you marry you? Would you even be your friend? Could you be in a relationship with you in any capacity? When you know you, when you know who you are, are you ready for marriage? Are you ready to date? Could you be someone's girlfriend? Could you be someone's boyfriend, let alone a husband or a wife, or just a plain, true friend that will stick closer than a brother? If you are saying yes, then this conference isn't for you. Can I say that again? 
If you said yes to those questions, this conference isn't for you because this is about change and changing into what God created you to be in the beginning. When he created you before you came out of the womb into the world of sin. I want to teach those who can recognize I need a change or I need to be better. I need to grow further than where I am. I don't like me or I need to be a greater me. This is for those who can be honest about where you are or who you are within yourself. So if I wanted to go to David, Psalms 51, I want you all to understand, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, and this is going to bless you, and I, and I love this translation sometimes because it gives a, a more better understanding or, uh, or a, a new meaning of what, it's actually, um, what it actually says and entails. So Psalms 51 reads, reads this way in the New Living Translation, and I hope you're going to write these scriptures down. Psalms 51 says this in the New Living Translation. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. David said in verse 3, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Verse 4 says, against you and you alone have I sinned, and I have done what is evil in your sight. And for those of you who are watching and may not know where Psalm 51 came from, David was praying this prayer to God about where he was and what he did. Amen? He goes on to say, you will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. David was telling God, you was teaching me wisdom from the womb? Yeah, that's good, isn't it? He said, purify me for my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. He says, oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. David said, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Verse 10 says, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. David was saying to God, do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. He said, then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. He says, forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want birth offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit, 
You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. And right there is where I want you all to understand that God wants a broken spirit. He wants a broken and repentive heart. When you are praying to God about change, when you are praying to God to create in you a clean heart, then what you are saying to God is, I need you to break me. I need you to remove all the sin from me. I need you to purge me. I need you to get rid of everything that's in me that's not like you so that I will be healed, set free, and delivered. Lord have mercy. That's what some of you have to understand. So my next questions are, are you ready to learn what not to do? Do you want to be married by the world or do you want to be married by the word? Do you want to be the right friend by the world or do you want to be the wrong friend? I'm sorry, do you want to be the right friend by the world or do you want to be the right friend by the word? Can I say that again? Do you want to be that bad friend that, that is conducive to the world? Or do you want to be that good friend that will line up with the word of God? Proverbs 18 and 24 says there are friends, and it's in parentheses, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Can you, can you say that within yourself? Are you that real friend that will stick closer than a brother to that person that you're connected to? Or are you that friend that's a bad influencer that causes trouble, that causes chaos, that causes drama all day, every day, that nothing you touch turns right? That everything you walk by turns wrong, turns bad, makes a left turn? That's the question you have to ask yourself. What are you willing to peel away? Can I say that again? What are you willing to peel away? How will you remove the dead skin, no matter how much it stings and burns? And I don't know about you, but I've had skin taken from off my finger, and it does sting. And when something spicy or salt or something gets in it like sweat, it begins to burn. That's how salvation may feel when you're working on your change, when you're changing your mentality, when you're changing your attitude, when you're changing from who you were to who you need to be. Change hurts. It's just like a banana. The same way we peel the outside to get to the, to get to the banana itself, we got to remove the peeling to get to the inside. That's what God wants to do with us when we won't change. He's got to peel away the dead skin. He got to peel away the dead attitude. He got to peel away that dead stuff so that we can get to the, the new. Listen, when we, when we were created, we was born into sin, but we didn't know anything about sin yet. Sin can also be a learned behavior. Amen? So I want to be able to show you that you will still be able to have a voice and still be submissive. You can still have a voice and still humble. You can still have a voice and still be honest. You can still have a voice and be you. You can still have a voice and be that friend. But only if you desire a change and can go through the fire without smelling like smoke and have no burn marks, 
You will have burn mark though when it comes to God who gives you those scars for the change to help someone else to understand that you will go through, but it is up to you how you go through, how you choose to be quiet, how you choose to let God fight your battles. You can still have a voice and you can still be saved and not compromise by having a voice by, by what you speak to and not who you speak at. Can I say that again? You can still be saved and not compromise by having a voice by what you speak to and not who you speak at. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I don't want to have too much dead space in here. But Second Chronicles chapter 20. And I want to read this again in the NLT version. Because I, I do want all of you to understand Everybody doesn't understand the oohs and the eyes. Amen. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And I want to start at the first verse. And I, and I want you to understand what Jehoshaphat was dealing with when it comes to praying to God and asking him for help. But 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 1 reads, After this, the armies of the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Meunites declared war on Jehoshaphat. How many people declares war on you without you even knowing that they've declared war on you? Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Red Sea. I'm sorry, beyond the Dead Sea. How many people have come to you and said, hey, they're talking about you. They're coming for you. They're coming against you. Jehoshaphat went on and prayed this prayer. They are, the, the person, I'm sorry, the person is already telling Jehoshaphat what's going on. They go on to tell Jehosh Jehoshaphat, they are already at Haz Hazazan Tamar. This was another name for En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed. This is a prayer that Jehoshaphat prayed. And any time that people are coming against you, anytime you feel like you're about to be defeated, anytime you feel like you got to come out swinging, you got to pray to God and ask God to come and see about you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jehoshaphat prayed the prayer, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. 
they said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, such as plague or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us? Right there, Jehoshaphat was praying to God, God, you allowed, our, our, you allowed safety for them. You've allowed them to be saved from us. You allowed us not to even destroy them people. But now look at what they're doing to us. And isn't that why we fight some people? Because we feel like we give you money. We take you to where you need to go. You know, we're, we're faithful to our boyfriends. We're faithful to our girlfriends. We're faithful to our wives. We're faithful to our husbands. And then you turn around and you do this to us. You turn around and you hurt. You turn around and you destroy. How can we sit back and allow these people to do this to us after all you've done for them? Now look how they're repaying you. And look how they're repaying us. Lord, have mercy. Help me in this place. Jehoshaphat went on to pray and said, Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, and son of Geo, son of Mataniah, a Levite, who was a descendant of Asaph. And he said to to Jehoshaphat, he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, This is what the Lord says, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens unto the wilderness of Jeril. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions. Then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. He is with you. So do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And that is what some of you have to understand, that there are some battles that you do not have to fight. There are some battles that do not belong to you. But we'll find ourselves fighting battles that belong to somebody else because we're just having to be in the place or we're trying to help somebody else. And we'll find ourselves in chaos. We'll find ourselves in confusion. We'll find ourselves in drama. We'll find ourselves in positions that we're not even supposed to be in. But because that is who we are, that is what we do. We're going to have your back. Not way back, but when they go, you go. 
When that happens, this happens. When they fight, we fighting. When you go, we, when they go, you go. That's what we do. But in all of that, we don't stop and ask the Lord, what should we do? We don't stop and say, let's think about this for a moment. You have to understand that we have to be the sacrifice just like Jesus was sent to us as a sacrifice for his father. So I want to teach you by being the example of change from that to this. Choices and growth. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 30. Yes, I'm giving you a lot of scripture tonight through this introduction because it's going, to, it's going to speak to everything that's going to come through the next two days. So I pray that y'all are, are writing down these scriptures because they're going to help you in the end. And it's going to speak to so much. It's going to speak to so much. Amen? So listen, Deuteronomy chapter 30, and I'm going to read 11 through 20. Listen. For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it. Verse 14, but the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. 15 says, see, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord God to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, and his statutes, and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land where thou goest to possess it. But 17 goes on to say this, but if thine heart turn away, so that you will not hear but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. God says, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely die and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live, that you may love the Lord your God, and that you may obey his voice, and that you may cleave unto him, for he is your life and the length of your days. For thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swore to thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. 
And what you have to understand is this passage of scripture can be proven by Joseph when he was sold into slavery. Joseph was taught God's laws, his statutes, and obedience. Joseph was taught worship and sacrifice by his father, Abraham. When Joseph was sold by his brothers, he didn't lose who he was. I'm sorry, not Abraham. <laughs> I know, like, Abraham. I'm sorry. Um, hold on, let me go there. I don't want to get stuck. But listen, I don't want to tell you wrong. I don't want to lead you wrong. And then the lost, I knew I should have put that in my notes. But honey, listen, I was so excited writing this thing down. I done got tongue-tied and everything else. But listen, what you have to understand is that when Joseph was sold into slavery, he was taught by his father. And that's my point in giving you, um, giving you what you need for you to understand that, um, that I could be right, but I want to make sure because I don't want to. I don't want to lead you. I don't want to lead you wrong. But I need you to understand um, what's happening. But when Joseph was sold into slavery, let me get to where I need to be. I done, I done lost my page. I'm sorry. Please bear with me. Please, please bear with me. Okay, listen, when Joseph was sold into slavery, his father taught him how to worship God, how to praise God. And what happened was when his brother sold him, he didn't lose who he was. He didn't forget who he was to serve. He didn't forget his customs. But because he lived in Egypt's land, he had to obey their laws, their customs. But he never bowed and he never lost his faith in his God. How do I know this? How do I know this? Because it's backed up in scripture when Joseph wouldn't sleep with a married woman who was Pharaoh's wife. And what he had to do was he had to run. He had to run. So Joseph didn't stay. Joseph could have made his life easier. But I can only imagine thinking, but could it be harder without the Lord with him? Our decisions are based off of our life our situations, our struggles, our troubles, our circumstances, our marriages, our children, our jobs, our ministries, our friends, our enemies, our wives, our husbands. Our decisions are based off of our emotions and our feelings. We do feel like I can't wait on God. I have to make a move today. I have to do something now. Joseph didn't retaliate against his brothers for what they did to him. I can only imagine the thoughts going through his head. Those lost emotions he didn't have to feel because he didn't see them. Listen, we all heard out of sight, out of, sight, out of mind. So we feel like we ain't got to see it. We ain't got to deal with it. If we don't pay attention to it, we ain't got to entertain it. But what happens when you see the person that hurt you? What happens when you see the person that broke you? What happens when you see the person that betrayed you? What happens when that is done in your life because of the decisions and the choices that you make within yourself? Because so many times we base our life's decisions off of our problems, our issues, our circumstances. So I can only imagine, again, the thoughts that was going through his head, those lost emotions. 
And I can only imagine him saying within himself, maybe I could have done this. Or maybe I could just come to terms with it. Or maybe I would never see them again so I don't have to worry about it. Who knows what goes through any individual's mind unless those thoughts are released and spoken out loud. And so you have to understand that Genesis chapter 50, 16 to 21, that I'm not going to read that, but I'm giving you that scripture so you will have it for yourself. Some will mean it for your bad, but God means it for your good. And that's what you need to understand. So can we look at one more story about how family or friends can hurt you, but God has the ultimate plan for correction and teaching? Let's look at some twins. Let's look at Esau and Jacob. And you can find that story in Genesis chapter 30 through 33. But I want to look at Genesis 33 and 4. Now, the Bible tells us that the twins struggled with each other before they even came out of the womb. Can I say that there are some people who don't even know cannot even, they won't even know, they won't even like you for just no reason. There will be just some people that will take from you just because. There will be some people who just want to be first just because. There will be just some people will do whatever just because. Jacob and Esau, they made peace, yes, but before then, Jacob had, Jacob was worried because he knew what he had done to Esau. But Esau had lived life as if he's good. You have to understand that when God is with you, it doesn't matter who it is. God will be with you. God will provide for you. And God will, and God will guide you to where you need to be or back where you should have been. Can I say that again? God will guide you to where you need to be or back where you should have been. Everything God does, it is for his purpose, the plan he has for you concerning him. So listen, I do have to read this one, Genesis 31. Genesis 31, 7 through 12. Listen to this, Genesis 31, 7 through 12. Listen to this. And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said this, the speckle shall be my wages. Then all the cattle bear a speckle. And if he said this, the ring, the ring streak shall be the higher. Then bear all the cattle ring streak. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. And it came to pass at that time that the cattle conceived, that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring streaked, speckled, and, grit, and, and grizzled. And the, angel of God, and the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here am I. And the Lord said, Lift up now thine eyes and see. All the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring streaked, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. Now, and that's why I'm going to stop right there. Because what you need to understand is everything that Laban did to um, Jacob, the, God saw it. Everything. 
everything that was done to Jacob. Him working for seven years for a wife, and then after seven years, he didn't, he didn't get the wife that he wanted. He had to work another seven years to get that wife. So he had to work 14 years for two wives, and then he stayed longer because he just wouldn't release him. But did you know that? Did, do you know that God sees who is treating you wrong, and God will place those in your life who will treat you right? Can I say that one more time? Know this, God sees who is treating you wrong, and God will place those in your life who will treat you right. But if you stay mad at those who treated you wrong, you will miss the opportunity of those who were sent to you to treat you right. So in Genesis 31 and 24, Lord have mercy, help me in this place. So in Genesis 31 and 24, God warned Laban in a dream and told Laban, I am warning you, leave Jacob alone. Can I say that again? Do you not understand that if you just be quiet, that if you just give it over to the Lord, that God already see who is mistreating you, that God already sees who's mishandling you, that God already sees who is abusing you. And if you would just take those prayers and those supplications and make them known unto God, as it's stated in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, to be careful for nothing, but make your request known unto the Lord, giving him thanksgiving and believe and trust and have faith that God will send that person a vision or a dream and say, leave them alone. I am warning you. But it's up to the individual whether they will leave you alone or whether they're going to keep picking with you. You can't worry about that. God warned Laban in a dream and told him, I'm warning you, leave Jacob alone now. Laban went on after Jacob because he wanted to ask Jacob why he left, why he left secretly, why he took his daughters and grandchildren without letting him say goodbye. He still wanted to know, to let Jacob know. He said, I came to hurt you. I came to destroy you. But your God appeared to me in my dreams and warned me not to harm you. Sometimes you just got to sit back and allow the person that done wrong to you to come to you and say, yes, I was going to hurt you. Yes, I was going to destroy you. But God showed me in a vision that I don't need to put my hands on you. That's the faith that you need. Lord, help me in this place. Listen, but did you have to, but Laban, 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 whatever, wanted to, wanted to just say to him, did you have to steal from me? And of course, Jacob responded, I ran away because I was afraid. Isn't that sometimes why we fight? Because we are afraid or we run because we are afraid? Verse 42 in Genesis 31 says, Jacob pleased his case to Laban. Jacob did no wrong, but isn't that how we are treated? We don't do any wrong by anyone, and people will still mistreat us. Jacob has shown us that you can go way and beyond and not take anything from anyone, and God will provide your every need according to how you act towards people. 
If Jesus say, pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, why? Because God is the ultimate supplier. We don't have to retaliate against them because God is going to validate for us. Can I say that again? We don't have to retaliate against them because God is going to validate for us. Jacob said in verse 42, if God would have not have been on my side, you would have left me with nothing. Jacob said to Laban, if God would have not been on my side, you would have left me with nothing. You would have sent me away empty handed. But God has seen your abuse and my hard work. Do you understand that God will see their wrongdoing and your hard work? God will see them mishandling you and still see you working for them. Lord have mercy. And this is why God appeared to you last night and rebuked you. This is why we have made the Lord watch between me and you when we are absent one from another. Once we depart ways, we pray that God will watch over the both of us in separate places because of the covenant of peace we have made with one another. You have to understand that God is the witness to the covenant because that was a covenant that was made between Laban and Jacob. So as friends, as family members, as Christians, as brothers and sisters of Christ, we should always make a boundary line that should never be crossed. When we see the line, when we see the cross, when we see the covenant, we should always respect the boundary line. It should always remind us that God sees and God will come for us when we are respectfully living acting in righteousness and holiness. Nothing should be found among us that will cause us harm or to harm in any way. Nothing should be found among us that will cause us to harm us in any way. I want to say that one more time because I want you to understand what I just said. Nothing should be found among us that will cause us to harm us in any way. But what happens when it does? Then God will handle us. God will rebuke us. For our actions, by what we do, by what we say, by how we act toward another individual. How many dreams have you had that God told you, leave them alone? I'm warning you. What you have to understand that we are all God's children, but we are all not his sons and daughters. Can I say that again? We're all his children but we are all not his sons and his daughters. If you want to be a son, if you want to be a daughter, you got to, you got to move from your sin. You got to live a righteous lifestyle. You got to live holy. You got to act right. You got to be right. You got to live right. You got to talk right. You got to be reborn again. His word in, in uh, 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, 
seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will heal their land, and I will forgive them of their sins. So we all of God's children. So we should all know how to act towards one another, especially of those who are called in the household of faith. Listen. We have to understand that 1 Chronicles 16 and 22 says, Do not touch my chosen people and do not hurt my prophets. We are not to bring physical harm or death to God's people. And, you know, we have all heard that saying, touch not my anointing, do my prophets no harm. But that doesn't mean with your mouth. That means don't kill them. Don't hurt them. Don't take them out. Amen? And how do I know that? Because David said in 1 Samuel 26 through 11, he said, one of the two men said to David, strike Saul with the spear. And David said, no. David said, in who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Verse 15 and 16 says, David even rebuked Abner for not guarding Saul and says he deserved to die for not protecting his master. So in that moment, David respected God's chosen in spite of Saul trying to kill him. God does not want us to take matters into our hands at all. God will do what is necessary when we respect and reverence God's laws, his statutes, and his judgments. So basically, yes, it is the hardest thing. <laughs> it is the hardest thing to, ups, to, to, us, to accept abuse, to accept hurt, to accept betrayal to accept mistreatment, but those who know and don't do will be beat with many stripes, and those who don't know and don't do will be beat with a few stripes. The best thing to do is build your relationship with Jesus and watch God work on your behalf, or keep doing what you feel is right and keep being wrong and keep losing a battle and keep losing the fight. The greatest winner is those who knows how to accept defeat when it becomes to God the Father and Jesus the Son of God. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit back to us so that we will have a comforter that will help us with our every need. And I can hear it in the spirit realm right now. What does she mean? We just got to accept defeat. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying to accept defeat to be defeated. What I'm saying is sometimes you got to turn the other cheek and let the Lord fight your battles. Uh, uh, Moses said, hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battles. You don't have to speak to everything. You ain't got to put your hands into everything. You ain't got to be a part of everything. If God is for you, who can be against you? Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. You're already a conqueror. You've already won the war. So with that being said is, stand still, meaning get into position. Like the man told Jehoshaphat, the Lord said, get into position, set yourself, stand still, and the Lord is going to be with you. But we don't want to stand still. We don't want to get into position. We want to get into position to go fight. 
We want to get into position to go cuss them out. We want to get into position to make them pay. We want to get into position to take matters into our own hands. But when you get out, when you get into that position, you step out of the position of the will of God. Isaiah 1, 16 through 20. Write that scripture down. And Joshua 24, 14 through 22. Write that scripture down. Because I'm going to give you a short version of it. Isaiah 1, 16 through 20. It basically says, can we not come together to reason together? Listen, if you owe, if you, if you owe, if you do the will of the Lord, if you obey, you'll eat the fruit of the land. If you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to choose the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. He said, you got to choose. You're going to serve the guys that your father served on the other side of the flood, or you're going to do this. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The Bible, it says over in Joshua 24, 14, it says, if you think today, if you choose, if you think today it's evil to, to uh, serve the Lord, that's what he asked them. If you think that serving the Lord is evil, then you got to make a choice. Because you can't serve God and Satan too. You can't live for God and Satan too. You can't straddle the fence. You can't, you can't say, God, I want you to fight my battles, but you're fighting your own battle. Now, I gave this as an introduction because I want all of you to know that if I would have all, listen, I need y'all to hear this. I gave this as an introduction because I want all of you to know who does not know that if I would have had all of this that I've just given to you, then my life of fighting wouldn't have lasted for 28 years of my life. This conference is to help change. This conference is to help to bring a change for you into greater and to live a better life for you, for them, because of God. We have to understand that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And that's John 1, 1 through 5. And what you have to understand is that God is good, and he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised. If you want change in your life, you got to make up in your mind today. Choose ye this day whom you will serve. You can't keep straddling the fence. You can't keep fighting battles that you keep losing in. If you want to change from that to this, you have to make the choice. You have to make the change. So, I wanted to give you all of this first because 
come tomorrow, if it's God's will, and we're back in here in this place tomorrow, and the world hasn't ended, but come tomorrow at 7.30, when I come on, I'm going to talk to you the beginning, the first fight at the age of 10 years old and how I spoke death at the age of a 10-year-old, not knowing who God was, not knowing anything about church, not knowing anything about the Holy Spirit, not knowing anything about death or life. But when you don't know, the word just told us in Deuteronomy chapter 30, 11 through 20, I just read it to you, that my mother should have been responsible of giving me the word, somebody should have been responsible of giving me the word, so that everything that I just gave you, I would have had it. Now mind you, Everybody doesn't understand this saying. Everybody doesn't accept the, the, the word of God. Some people are just hard-headed. Some people are just stiff-necked. They don't want change. And that's why I said in the beginning, if you would marry you, if you would be your friend, then this, this, this conference is not for you. I want to encourage those who want to bring a change, who recognizes that they have flaws, who recognizes that they have some issues, who recognize that they've got some things among them that God needs to take out of them, but they got to make this first step. We just can't be hearers of the word. We got to be doers of the word. Amen. And the last scripture of the introduction is James 4 and 17. The last scripture for this introduction is James 4 and 17. And I will leave you with this, a short testimony of how you need to understand that when this scripture was given to me, I didn't even realize what was really going on. But I was at, I was, I was at a minister's retreat in 2009 because I had recognized that God had called me, and I could no longer just keep saying no. And we were at the, we was at the retreat, the minister's retreat in um, Greenville, South Carolina, and I was picking with one of the ministers. Well, she was, we weren't ministers yet, but we were there to get our training and everything. And I was picking with her and, you know, just, just doing the most. And Bishop Rogers said to me, he said, I want you to find the scripture James 4 and 17, and that's going to speak to your heart and to let you know how you may not think that you're hurting someone's feelings, but even in that, you are. And I was like, okay. And when I read this scripture, I thought, oh, my goodness. And this, this right here has been one of my favorite scriptures since 2009. And it's James 4 and 17, because some of you need to understand that you may not think that you're doing wrong, but you are. James 4 and 17, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I did not even realize that I, that I was sinning because I knew it was wrong picking with somebody, but I kept doing it anyway. I was antagonizing her, but I, but I was playing. I was kidding, 
But to her, she didn't think it was cute. She didn't think it was funny. She didn't think it was it was great. So I knew that she was saying stop doing it, but I kept doing it. So I knew what to do, what I should have done was right, but I kept doing it. I kept being wrong. And I had to be rebuked. I had to realize that it's my fault that was causing her to be feeling some type of way. And again, I'm telling you, when God has a calling on your life, he don't call you when you're ready. He don't call you when you're perfect. He calls you just as you are so that he can perfect what's inside of you concerning him for you, for him. So we're not, we're not going to get it right immediately. Amen? Amen. So, so, if you go back, study James 4 and 17, because you have to understand that when we tend to think that doing wrong is sin, but James tells us that sin is also not doing right. So there are two kinds of sins, sometimes called sins of commission and sins of omission. It is a sin to lie. It can also be a sin to know the truth and not tell it. It is a sin to speak evil of someone. It is also a sin to avoid him when you know he needs your friendship. We should be willing to help as the Holy Spirit guides us. If God has directed you to some kind act to do, some service to render, or some relationships to restore, do it and you will experience a renewed and refreshed vitality to your Christian faith. Period. So again, because I know some of you are like, well, how is that sin? Because when you know to do right and you don't, it's sin. You're in sin. So at that moment, that was when I came into the knowledge of the truth, I walked there in it. So if somebody comes to me and says, you hurt my feelings, this is what you did, I fix it. But when I was a puncher, I didn't do that. When I was a puncher, I didn't care about hurting your feelings. When I was a puncher, I didn't care what I said to you. When I was a puncher, I didn't care coming for you. When I was a puncher, it didn't bother me to cuss you out. When I was a puncher, it didn't matter what you thought. But now that I'm a preacher, I must live by what I teach. I must live by what I preach. I have to be the example. And I have to live by the example. When Jesus Christ died on that cross for me, he, now let me make it personal, he died for me so that I would have a right to the tree of life. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. But when I was a puncher, I didn't care about if hell was my home. Because when you are in sin, you don't care where your life goes. You don't care who you hurt. You don't care who you let down. You don't care about the families you destroy. You don't care about the relationships that you're destroying. You don't care that you're breaking somebody's home up. You're in flesh. And I'm talking about a puncher flesh. Amen. Amen. So I'm done. 
And I pray that those that are sitting here with me are encouraged. Amen. Thank you for coming in. <laughs> she said, they were like, yeah, okay. I, I thank God. I thank God for my little mentee over there. <laughs> amen. Amen. So listen, I thank God for those um, that are on here. I thank God for you all that stayed with me this long. Um, my desire, I knew my first night was going to be a little lengthy because I really wanted to get this introduction out. I really wanted to get these scriptures out. I really wanted to walk this thing through to get you to understand that I needed to get into my assigned place. Amen. And so I'm saying I am back in the house. So on tomorrow, if it's God's will, I will be back here at 730. Amen. I pray that I said something that encouraged you. I pray that I said something that blessed you. And I pray that you are going to walk in your change and you're going to pray and ask the Lord to help you and to give you strength for your change. God has been good to me. As I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I got a testimony. And that's a, that's that's the first song that I heard when I came into the church and I didn't understand the words, but when I got saved and when I turned my life over to the Lord, I understood what it meant when he keeps you, he leads you, he guides you, he pushes you. When you make up in your mind that you no longer want to be that old man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless. So I want to bless you all. Lord God, bless those that looked on this, uh, on this evening, Lord God. Lord God, I ask you that you will continue to bless their homes. Bless them, Lord God. Make some changes where changes need to be made, Lord God. Lord God, I ask you to hear their prayers, Lord God. Hear their supplications that they will make to you, God. Lord God, I ask you right now that you will let the words of their mouths and the meditations of their hearts to be acceptable unto your sight, O oh Lord, because you're their strength and you're their redeemer. Lord God, I thank you for the, the young lady that is here on tonight. Ask you to bless her, Lord God, and give her travel and mercy as she heads back home. Continue to cover her from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet. Bless her children and her, and her mother and her household, Lord God. Increase her finances right now, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, look on all the ministers that are on this live. Look on those that are going to receive their salvation and deliverance, Lord God. And God, I thank you. God, I thank you for allowing me to stand in this holy place one more time. God, I thank you for saving me because, God, when you saved me, you delivered me. And when you delivered me, you saved them. So, God, I'm so grateful and I'm so humble. And, Lord, God, continue to carry me as, you, as the Holy Spirit continues to carry me and, get, and so that you will get the glory out of my story. So, God, I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. I love you, Lord. I love you, I love you, I love you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, and amen.